You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Second Kings chapter number two, we'll begin reading in verse number one. I'd like to uh, talk to us tonight about a subject on, it's time to make it personal. It's time to make it personal is what I'd like to talk on. You know, too often in life, we merely follow in the footsteps of others. We believe things from the Bible simply because that is what we've been taught, or that maybe is what preached, or maybe that's what tradition says, without us ever really taking the time to examine it and apply it for ourselves. When someone asks us why we believe what we believe, or why do we do the things that we do, the answer should not simply because someone else does it or because somebody else believes it. It's time to make it personal. Too many times we hear the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. We know what the Bible says. We may be able to even quote a chapter and a verse, but yet we've not made the application in our lives. Let me just say it's time to make it personal. James 4.17 says, To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him, it is sin. There have been many a Christian that has stopped attending church or has stopped reading their Bible or stopped praying largely because there never was a change of heart. There was an outward change, but not an inward conviction. Those same people that would call themselves Christian, and yet they're not doing what God has commanded them to do. You see, knowledge is great, but knowledge without application is essentially worthless. It's time to make it personal. There are many quote-unquote Christians today who used to attend church because maybe their mom or their dad made them go or their grandparents encouraged them to go or they had influence in their lives that influenced them to go to church. And those influences are no longer on the scene and they hence stop coming. Why is that? Because they never made it personal. Church was a habit. It was a tradition. It may have been an obligation. But let me just say it's time to make it personal. Who are you uh, and, and who or what is keeping you in church? If it's a pastor, if it's a mother, if it's a father or a grandparent or a relative or a Sunday school teacher or a bus worker or a friend or an enemy or anything other than conviction and obedience to God's Word, one day you'll no longer be here. It's time to make it personal. In 2 Kings chapter number 2, we find a man named Elisha, and he'd been following Elijah for many years. Some scholars believe that time frame to be about six years. And we're at the point in time in Elijah's, uh, Elisha's life when his mentor Elijah is transitioning from the scene. Elisha is now faced with the decision to either walk off the scene or to continue in Elijah's work. And what makes Elisha continue to do God's work, I believe, it was because he made it personal. In 2 Kings chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went from Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. 
So they went down to Bethel. Verse number 3, And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Verse 4, And Elijah uh, said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Verse number 5, And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither. So they too went over on dry ground. Verse number 9, And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Verse number 11, And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And verse 12, And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his clothes, and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and smote the waters, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And then verse 15, And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. With God's help, I'd like to talk to us about a message tonight on it's time to make it personal. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done for me. I thank you for the opportunity that I have to preach. And I pray most of all that your name would be honored, would be glorified. I pray that you'd help those that need strength to be able to get it tonight from your word. I thank you so much that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that you'd uh, help me as I preach tonight for I ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The first thing that I see with Elisha's life here on its time to make it, make it personal, I see number one that Elisha was determined. Elisha was determined. Uh, we see here three different times that Elisha has the opportunity 
to take a step back. Elisha has the opportunity to not follow on in Elijah's footsteps. And Elijah's the one that's telling him, hey, I want you to just stay here. You don't need to follow me. And he knew that his master was going to be taken away from him that day. And three times he was presented that opportunity. Uh, the first time that we find that is in uh, verse number two. It says, uh, uh, and Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, I will not leave thee. And so they go on to Bethel. And in verse number four, uh, Elijah tells him that, hey, the Lord is calling him to Jericho and says, hey, tarry here, I pray thee. And Elisha reiterates, I will not leave thee. And then again, in uh, verse number uh, six, he again says, I will not leave thee as Elijah feels the calling to go over Jordan. And then they cross Jordan together. Three different times he had the opportunity to say, hey, you know what, this life isn't for me. Hey, I've seen the challenges, I've seen the uh, uh, things that have taken place in Elijah's life, and I think I'm going to go a different direction. But those three times, he decided that, no, he wanted God's will for his life. He wanted God's power for his life, no matter what was uh, to come in the future. I see that he was determined. Here's the question for you. When is the last time that you were determined to do something? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In your life, do you have a determination to get to know God personally? And if that's the case, how determined are you? That it's like, hey, no matter what comes in life, I'm going to seek to know God. I'm going to seek to know God's power. I'm going to seek to have answered prayer in my life. I'm going to seek to have God's provision and God's blessing and God's favor on my life. And that's what I'm determined to do. Well, the question is, what does it take to get you to stop doing it? Again, Elisha had three opportunities to just take a step back and maybe it's not somebody that's around you that's saying, hey, why are you doing that? Why are you determined to know God? Why do you go to church? Why do you read your Bible? Because problems still come and trials still come and difficulties still come and God is not going to help you and you've got the devil in your ear. How many times does he say it? And you're going to say, no, no matter what comes along the way, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be determined to know God in my life. I often find in life that we can be determined to do things that have no spiritual value whatsoever. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, maybe it's purchases that we make. And we say, I'm determined one day to get this. And I know uh, many years ago I had started a fund and it was just whenever I had gotten a raise at work, I had thrown money into the stock market. And I told my wife that was my Ferrari fund, amen. And uh, I've, through the years I've dwindled away and that's become the pool fund and the this fund and the this fund. And I've kind of just taken money out of it along the way. But nonetheless, what are you determined to get here in this life? You know, you may look at a new fancy gun that comes along the way. And, uh, you know, I had some uh, uh, spiritual counselors here in the, in the church that convinced me and were like, hey, check out this gun. And then I saw it and then I said, man, I've got to have that. And uh, so I ended up getting that model and that was a few weeks ago. And I just got an email saying that there's a new model and now it's, you know, I, I bought it. It's called a Hellcat and now there's a Hellcat Pro that's available and I showed my wife and said, this is what I need now. And she's like, no, you don't. And so we're still in the convincing stage there. But maybe it's not a gun. Maybe it's a new car. And you say, hey, I just bought, you know, a new truck. And then they've got a newer model truck coming out next year. Or maybe it's a boat or maybe it's a house. Or what is it in your life that you say, hey, I've determined and you're pressing to do something. Maybe it's not a physical possession. Maybe it's a promotion. 
or something that's work-related that you've decided to say, hey, this is what I want. I want this position. I want this title. And uh, along that comes with uh, that promotion that's taking place there. And you're taking schooling. You're doing things. And that consumes your time. And it consumes your effort. And let me just say, hey, in life, that's good to have things that we're determined to do. But let's be determined to know God in our lives. Let's be determined to follow Christ and to follow His Word and to follow His commands. To not just let preaching go in one ear and out the other. Let's be determined in our lives to do what's right. When is the last time that you were determined to do something for God? Maybe it's in Bible reading. Maybe it's in prayer that God has encouraged you or God has motivated you or we said, hey, I'm going to pray for these specific things or specific areas or maybe it's for the lost in our lives. Hey, maybe it's forgiving. To say, hey, I'm determined that when I see that giving statement, I want to give more for the cause of Christ and let God allow me to do more. Hey, maybe it's with church attendance and with all that's taken place, we've said, hey, I'm going to be determined to be faithful to God's house. Because you never know when it's going to be the day that God's going to speak to your heart and deal with you about a specific instance. And it should be most services, amen. But till we pray that God will speak to our hearts, I find, number one, that he was determined. You know what? This determination, I find that it was a personal determination. It was personal. You say, what do you mean by that? Nobody was forcing him to make the decision. You know, and let me just tell you this. Let me just emphasize this. Uh, nobody is going to force you to do what's right. I didn't see anybody that came to church tonight in the back of a police car. Thankfully, amen. I didn't see anybody handcuffed. I didn't see anybody that was dragged. Maybe there were some children that were dragged into the children's program. I'm not sure if I, I'm intentionally not looking if that took place there, you know, kicking and screaming and you bring them out of the car. Maybe that's the case, but I don't typically find that. I find this was a personal determination. You say, how was it personal? Because the four times that I see here, I see in verse number two, it says, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. In verse number four, it says, I will not leave thee. In verse number six, it says, I will not leave thee. You know what? It wasn't Elijah, Elijah saying, hey, come alongside me, Elisha. Hey, God has plans for your life. Hey, God has something great for your life. No, Elisha said, hey, at some point in time, we've got to make the decision that says, hey, I am going to do what's right. No matter what happens around me, I'm going to be the one to follow God. No matter what decisions that others are making and whatever else has happened in life, whatever uh, things may come, I'm going, to co I'm going to do what's right. And it's a personal determination. You know what? Nobody was making the decision for him. It wasn't his pastor. It wasn't the people around him. It wasn't the spiritual influences, if you will. At some point in time, we've got to say, you know what? I'm going to be the one that does what's right. I'm going to follow God. Hey, teenager, when is the last time that you determine that I'm going to live for God? No matter what the other teenagers are doing, no matter what those are doing around me, when is the last time that you determine to say, hey, you know what, I want God's will for my life. You know what, let me just say this, he's not going to reveal his future will until you're doing his present will. And that's with what he's already commanded us to do. I find it was a personal determination I find it was a prepared determination. He didn't make this decision on the fly. It wasn't like, I don't find this here because I find the decision was made, as we'll talk about, a long time ago. But I don't find it here that Elijah comes to Elisha and says, Hey, Terry, here I pray thee because I'm going to go on to Bethel. And Elisha says, 
Well, let me think about that. Hey, can, here, we, he, gave, he didn't give him the Baptist answer. Let me pray about that for a little while, and I'll get back to you, right? We know what the answer is with that. The answer is no, right? And uh, let me pray about that for a little while. Hey, you know, a pastor may come, or somebody may encourage you to say, hey, let's get involved in the ministry, and hey, let's get involved in soul winning, and hey, let's pass out some tracts, and hey, let's invite people to friend day. And we say, say, you know what? Let me pray about that. Let me think about that for a little while. No, let me just say this. It was a prepared determination. It was prepared in the fact that the decision was already made before he had to make it amen and in our lives when decisions come to say hey am I going to continue to follow God hey am I going to still be faithful to church hey am I going to still be faithful in my Bible reading hey am I still going to be faithful in prayer the decision should already be made because it's a prepared decision that he had you say how was it a prepared determination how did he how did he have that that was prepared one well, first Kings chapter number 19 we find the calling of Elijah, Elisha. In 1 Kings chapter number 19, I find it interesting that at the beginning of that chapter, Elijah is running from some famous influence of the day named Jezebel, amen? And she's got a decree that he's, she's going to kill him, and he's running for his life, and he's hiding in a cave, and God is saying, hey, what are you doing here? And he answers and says, nobody else is following you, it's just me. And I find when he got out of that cave, in verse number 19, he gets a friend. He gets a follower named Elisha. And in 1 Kings 19, in verse number 19, the Bible says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he, uh, he, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. In verse number 20, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then will I follow thee. He made the decision a long time ago that he was going to follow God. And not only did he make that decision, he says, hey, let me go back and kiss my mom and dad goodbye. Why is that? Because I'm not going back, amen. Hey, I'm making a decision to follow God. Hey, I'm making a decision to follow down the road. And I'm not going to turn back to what I used to do. And he takes some of those oxen and he slays them. And the utensils and the instruments for the oxen, he burns up. So even if he said one day, you know what, I'm a little bit discouraged. Hey, I'm a little bit defeated with what comes in life. That's a natural process. He couldn't go back to doing it because he didn't have his instruments anymore. And I think a lot of times in our life we decide to follow God and we turn from our ways and say, hey, I've got a new course. But yet we don't burn up the past. And so we go back and do what we used to do because we've not burned our bridges there. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Hey, how about this? Though no one join me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. Maybe we've not destroyed our past, our old desires, our old ways. Maybe it's time to do that before we can go forward. It's time to make it personal. I see, number one, he was determined. That determination was personal. He's the one that made it. Hey, it was prepared. He decided that before it came to pass. And let me just say this. Hey, before you're faced with a decision, teenager, to do drugs, before you're faced with that decision, let me encourage you to be immoral or make any other decision to decide now, to say, I'm not going to do that, so that you're not in that situation to make that decision when it's presented to you. Let's be prepared. 
You know what, I, I heard an illustration. Brother Caleb was telling me that there was one of the uh, kids that comes on the bus and he was wearing a ring and he was talking about baptism. Brother Caleb was talking about baptism to him and, and uh, he was talking about how the ring represents that he's married and how baptism symbolizes that you got saved and it's just identifying with Christ. And this individual had a ring on his finger and he said, now, do you know what this ring is? And, the, and Caleb's like, no, I don't know what it is. He says, this is my purity ring saying that, hey, I'm going to be pure until I get married. And that's from one of our bus kits. Well, how about from our church kids, amen? To say, hey, this is a decision that I've made before I'm able to make the decision. This is what God wants for my life. And so I'm going to make a prepared determination. How do you make it personal? You know what? Number one, I find he was determined. Number two, I find that he didn't get distracted. You know what? You can be determined with something, but yet you can get distracted. I think about uh, a, a football game that took place in uh, 1929. And in 1929, there was a Rose Bowl. It was a college football game in the 15th annual Rose Bowl that's played in Pasadena, California. It was on January 1st, 1929, the game saw the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, known at the time as the Georgia Tech Golden Tornado, defeat the California Golden Bears by a score of 8-7. to seven. You say, well, what's so significant about that? The game was notable for one play in which uh, uh, California Golden Bears All-American center Roy Regal scooped up a Georgia Tech fumble and ran... 69 yards the wrong way. He was nicknamed after this Roy Wrong Way Regals. They go on and they ended up losing the game. He didn't score a touchdown. It was on like the one yard line and his teammates are chasing him and trying to tackle him and say, you're going the wrong way. And it said the coach on the other team, their players started to started cheering and the coach was telling him, sit down, sit down. Every yard that he gets is, 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 is our advantage. So he's trying to calm his team down to let this guy keep going in the wrong way. And they asked him about it. They interviewed him about it. And uh, he said that he was uh, running toward the sidelines when he picked up the ball. He started to turn uh, uh, toward his left, toward the text goal, and somebody shoved him, and he bounded right off into a tackler, and in pivoting to get away from him, he completely lost his bearings and then ran the wrong way, almost 70 yards, and lost the game largely. And, and, again, and again, maybe they could have won on whatever else, but they lost the game by one point that they could have won distractions you know what I, I find here Elisha didn't get distracted you know what I did find here several times in second uh, Kings chapter number two it says uh, in verse number three and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today and he responded and said yea I know it hold ye your peace you know that's the Christian way of saying be quiet amen Hold ye your peace. He says, hey, yeah, I realize it. Hey, yeah, I know it. And I'm not sure exactly why they would tell him that if Elisha already knew that, except for the fact to say, are you ready to move to the next step? And maybe it was something to make him a little bit nervous and say, hey, are you prepared to take his... Do you know who Elijah is? Do you know that this man called fire down from heaven and did all these great things and had the power of God upon his life and you're going to replace him? 
Can you imagine being in that feeling there and the people around her saying, hey, he's leaving today. You know, and, and, and so again, he's faced with the opportunity. Do I, do I continue following him in order to take his footsteps or I just say, hey, the task ahead is too great for me. And by the way, let me just say this emphatically. The task ahead is too great for us. But you know what? It's not too great when we're with God. Amen. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He didn't get distracted. He didn't focus on what others were saying. He told them to be quiet. Amen? And sometimes in life, we just have to tell those people around us to be quiet in the name of the Lord. Amen? Hold ye your peace. And those who are around to discourage you and those who are around to tear you down and those who are around who are asking you, maybe you're dealing with something, and they just say, well, you must have done something to make God upset. And that's why you're dealing with problems, as Job's friends did. But the reality is we don't know why people are going through what they're going through. And it may be time to just say, hey, can you be quiet and let me just try and follow God? and try and find God in our situation. Hey, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. He didn't get distracted. He was determined. He didn't get distracted. Number three, I find he was dedicated. You say, what do you mean by that? He was dedicated. He had the opportunity three times to stay behind. You know what? You may be here today and you say, hey, I've, I've already been determined. Hey, I've, I've given God my life. Well, let me just say it's not a one-time occurrence. I wish that it was. I wish it was just one time I could come down to the altar and say, hey, God, control my eyes, and God, control my legs and my, my mouth. And then from then on, we're just under the control of the Holy Spirit. And we made the decision, and we're just going to always follow God from them. But let me just say this. One of the greatest Christians to ever walk this planet said, I die daily. Dedication. Are we dedicated every day? To follow God, sometimes it's every hour, and sometimes, especially who are around, it's every minute, amen? We just say, hey, God, I'm going to have to trust you. I'm just going to have to not get impatient and not get uh, upset with things that are taking place. And, uh, but the reality is we're all humans. We all fail. But, the, but I find here Elisha, he made it personal. Hey, he was determined. Hey, he didn't get distracted. Hey, he was dedicated, Twice he made the decision to not focus on what others were saying. And by the way, in verse number 7, as he continued by, it says here, and 50 men of the sons of the prophet went and stood to view afar off. And let me just say this, people are watching. Whatever decisions that you make, people are watching. We say, hey, well, this decision is only going to affect me. No, it's not. Somebody's always going to be affected by the decisions that you make in your life. And I would not want my life to be one that somebody would look at and say, that's a path not to follow. I want it to be that, hey, you know what? I want to be faithful to God until death. To hear one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that should be the goal of our lives. He was dedicated, and lastly, I find he asked for double. He asked for double. And by the way, it wasn't for himself. It was for God's glory and God's honor. You know, there's a, a song that says, if I could find the right words to say, to tell you just what Christ means to me, I'd say he's more than I could show him more than you'll ever know. Christ means more to me than you'll ever know. Christ means more to me than I could possibly show. More, more, so much more, he's more than you'll ever know. You know what we need is more of God, not less. And I'm not exactly sure why Elisha asked for a double portion. 
And I, I, to be honest with you, if I looked at Elijah's life and you said, hey, look, give me a double portion, can you imagine what that could accomplish even more? Because you look at Elijah and all that he was able to do with God's power, and you say, hey, I want to double that. But you know what Elijah's response was? That's a hard thing, but if you're with me, it'll happen. And he stayed with him. But you know what? I think a lot of times we ask God for more. But then we fall along the way. We don't stick with it. You know, we're not patient to say, hey, look, God, please give me this. And we ask for it. But then we want it like a drive through We want it our way right away, right? But the reality is we have to be patient with our lives. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what? In our lives, sometimes we just need to wait. And waiting doesn't mean that we don't do anything. Waiting means that we're waiting for God to step in with a situation. What is it in our lives that we need to ask God for more of to help us get through the journey? I don't know if Elisha saw all that took place and says, hey, you know what? I'm not able to do it. I need more of God. I need more of God's power. Hey, I want God's blessing. I want God's uh, uh, divine appointment on my life, and I need it in order to do something great for God. He asked for more. We are not going to survive in this life on somebody else's religion. We're not going to survive in this life and to thrive in this life with God's power with somebody else's prayer life with the pastor's prayer life, with the assistant pastor's prayer life, with the, with the pastor's Bible reading and the pastor's study of the Bible, we're going to have to make it personal in our lives. Number one, it takes determination. Number two, along the way, let's not get distracted. Hey, let's be dedicated that every time that we're faced with that same decision that we emphatically make it again to say, hey, God, I'm still in this thing. I still want you. I still need you in my life. And then ask God for more. We're not going to survive off of the spirituality of others. We need to make it personal. I don't want just what others have had. I want more. It's time to make it personal. You know, there's a song that says, My rock, my shield, my God, my salvation. Have we made it personal in our lives? And then if we have, maybe it's time to just renew it every day. And when the trials come, when the temptations come, it's just time to say, hey, God, I'm still in it. God, please help me to remain faithful to you no matter what comes along life's path. He was determined. He wasn't distracted. He was dedicated, and he asked for a double. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.